This is the Chicago Sports Power Hour, presented by ShyCitySports.com, the number one source for all Chicago sports found in one place. Welcome to another edition of Chicago Sports Power Hour, presented to you by ShyCitySports.com. I am one of your three hosts, Joey Minutillo, and I will let my two compadres introduce themselves. Uh, welcome back, everyone. I'm Zach Pearson. I'm Nick Fish. All right, we got a special show uh, for you guys this week, kind of like what we did last week with the Chicago Cubs preview. Uh, we are going to have a special White Sox blogger on for our White Sox preview, uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, but before we get uh, knee-deep into White Sox talk, uh, we're going to go ahead and do our Shoot opening segment, Shoot Your Shot, Shoot uh, where we discuss uh, something that's going on in the sports world, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, even though it's a White Sox themed show, I'm going to go ahead and open up with obviously, uh, our Chicago, uh, Cubs, our beloved Northside Cubs. Uh, I happened to stay up late, you know, it was about like one in the morning, uh, when the game ended last night, I'm just glad baseball's back. Um, even if the Cubs were in this position, it's just, it's the best time of year. Uh, fans of all 30 teams are hyped, uh, regardless of their situation and current standing, but it was great seeing, you know, all the new additions to the Cubs. Uh, it was great seeing Jake Arrieta back out there, hoping he can duplicate a historic season. And uh, let's make a run for that pennant, gentlemen. Um, mine is going to be kind of the same thing I said last week, North Carolina-related, since I'm a North Carolina fan. I just wanted to thank uh, Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson, two of uh, the nicest kids and two of the best players in North Carolina program history. I know they didn't win it all last night. Chris Jenkins hit a hell of a shot, um, but I just wanted to, you know, just kind of reflect back on their time as seniors. And um, if it wasn't for Chris Jenkins' shot, we would be talking about Marcus Page's athletic double pump shot. So I don't think that gets enough credit, but thank you, too. Um, my shot will be the the Chicago Cubs again. I guess I'll just hop on the bandwagon a little bit with Joey. Just really exciting to see the Cubs even score nine runs without any impact from Jason Hayward. Of course, there's always a concern about the strikeouts potentially down the road in the playoffs and the Cubs face top pitching. However, it was a great start. Jake Arrieta looked looked to be his dominant self again on opening night, and hopefully good things will continue to come for both the Cubs and as well as the White Sox as well for doing a great job being the Oakland Athletics, getting off to a good start, closing the door and keeping a Chris Sale win intact. Hopefully, you know, both teams can make the playoffs this year and we'll start digging into the White Sox talk here shortly. All right, it's time to welcome in our first guest, um, Shy City Sports White Sox writer, uh, Matt Hepner. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, looking forward to uh, contributing as uh, you know, one of the new Sox writers for the site. Really excited. And um, yeah, we brought on Matt to uh, write for the site, um, but I think I believe it was like a month ago. Um, he used to write for Grab Some Bench for the White Sox, and he still writes for iSportsWeb about uh, Michigan State. Um, I know you were a little upset about that first round loss, weren't you? Yeah, that was pretty brutal, and I'd prefer just to pretend like that never happened. Uh, I'm with <laughs> you. I'm a North Carolina fan, so last night absolutely killed me. Oh, that had to been tough <laughs> I, dude i had like two and a half hours of sleep because i went to bed and i just saw chris jenkins in my dreams all night and it was just terrible um all right let's get into some white Sox talk uh the season kicked off on monday both the white Sox and cubs are one and oh 
both got wins on the West Coast last night. Uh, both had their aces on the mound. Um, so as we you know begin the season, Matt, what did you what What are your thoughts on the offseason moves that the White Sox made, bringing in um, some hitters, and um, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, you know it, it, they they did. A pretty good job, I think, addressing a lot of their needs. You know, they, they went out and they got obviously the big move was was uh, was Frazier coming in to play third base. You know, they pretty much had a gaping hole at third base for the last handful of seasons, and you know, been trying to find someone to fill that gap. And and I think Frazier's going to be able to do that pretty well for them. You know, big with the bat and also a pretty solid glove man. And then they tried to you know just kind of fill in some of the other spots, and, you know, where they had had holes second base with. Lowry, um, you know, they, they bring in two new catchers to kind of do a platoon system with Navarro and Avila, uh, the late addition of, of Austin Jackson and Jimmy Rollins to kind of, you know, shore up some of those other spots. So I think that they help their, you know, they're hitting a lot with, with these additions, but it still felt like they were really one move short of, you know, a total off season or a complete off season to get them where, uh, they would need to be offensively. And, you know, that might be something that we see, you know, later on. But for now, I think the moves were really good, but just feel like they, they just needed one more, you know, kind of big splashy move, you know, to get another bat in the middle of that lineup that was so bad last year. So were you one of the, you know, the guys that were all in on Cespedes or Fowler? Uh, you know, Cespedes or, um, you know, Upton or, you know, any of those guys that, you know, would have been a, a big improvement, I think. You know, those are middle-of-the-order bat-type guys. You know, Cespedes, Upton, uh, even Alex Gordon, you know, who they were in on early, but, it, you know, turned out he wasn't going anywhere. But, uh, and then when all that kind of fell by the wayside, I thought Fowler would be a nice, you know, settle, I guess, but still could bring a lot and would slide in nicely to that number two spot in the order where they're, you know, trying Rollins for now, but who knows who's going to end up being in that spot for most of the year. So, you know, but I wanted one of the other bigger guys and I would have settled for Fowler and now we're ending up with Austin Jackson as kind of just a stopgap move. Yeah, um, I thought, you know, if the White Sox could go out and get a bat like um, Cespedes, obviously he's kind of struggled in the field, but I'm kind of with you on that. They did enough, I think, to improve. I still think that, you know, getting that bigger bat or one more piece would have helped a lot, you know, a lot more. Yeah, and it's 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 you know the the lineup was so bad that any improvements were going to be big, were going to be you know big help. But like you said, just kind of needed that one more big splashy move. I think. Well, that I guess I, my question would be on that. Like, how do you guys feel? Because I know the big the big issue with the White Sox last year seemed to be just their inability to plate guys and score runs. I know obviously Todd Frazier. I mean, I I live in Southern Indiana, so where I live, I see a lot of. I saw a lot of Reds games with Frazier and obviously he's a guy with, you know, 30 home run potential. Um, how do you think that impacts the White Sox in regards still him and Laurie both really aren't on base guys? Uh, do you still think that's a need that they need to try to address? And it's something they kind of neglected in the offseason. Yeah, you know, the on base percentage has always been a thing the last few seasons that has, you know, been a big problem for the White Sox. And they've, you know, ranked towards the bottom of the league in on base percentage. You know, each of the last couple of years, it's been a huge problem for them. And, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're not great on-base percentage guys, uh, you know, they but they, they do have power. So, you know, the ability to, 
you know, drive in some runs is, is something that the lineup was also, you know, badly needing. Um, and that's something where, you know, a guy like Fowler would have been a great on base percentage guy. You know, that's one of his big things is, you know, he's, he's a high on base percentage guy and Eaton's pretty good too at the top of the order. So it would have been nice to have, you know, a couple guys up there at the top that could, you know, get on, you know, at a 350 plus clip and then, You've got the, you know, the big bats like Abreu and Frazier to, to, you know, drive those guys in when they have the opportunities. And I think, I think you guys are selling the White Sox a little bit short. I know they have a, a lot of strengths, and I really, th- I really like their offseason overall, especially with the addition of Austin Jackson playing center field. So let me ask you, Matt, what other strengths do you see for the White Sox besides, obviously, Austin Jackson playing center field? solid, solid defender out there. What other strengths do you see? Well, for me, the biggest strengths for the White Sox are obviously the top three in their starting rotation with Sale, Quintana, and and the second year, uh, Carlos Rodon. I think those three are going to be, you know, really three of the best, uh, you know, one of the best trios in the American League at the top of a pitching rotation. And, you know, some of, if you look at some of the, uh, the projection systems, those three guys um, on one of the systems projected to, to, you know, have more war than any entire rotation in the rest of the AL Central. So those three guys are really going to carry the load for them uh, pitching wise. And, and another big strength, I think, for them is going to be the bullpen. I wrote about it for uh, for the site uh, last week, and, and I really think the bullpen has an opportunity to be one of the biggest strengths for the White Sox this year, and it has a chance to be one of the best bullpens in the American League. I really think Nate Jones uh, is poised to have a big season for them and, and step into that eighth inning role and, and give that back end of the uh, bullpen a really nice you know seventh, eighth, and then ninth inning with Robertson uh, combination, and and I think they're going to be able to shorten some games for the uh, for the starters at the back end of the rotation, which aren't nearly as strong and and aren't going to eat as many innings as as Sale, Quintana, and hopefully Rodon can. Yeah, I mean you you brought up Sale, and um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the White Sox pitching here. I'll start off really quick, just a l- couple of your thoughts maybe on um, Eric Johnson with the spring training. I know. It was an article that came out that he said he went and got like some independent work done and he was working with an independent coach. And I don't know if that will make White Sox fans happy. I don't think it's going to really make the team happy. But what are your thoughts on Eric Johnson? You know, it, it he's been a really strange case because, you know, he, he had a great year a couple of years ago in the minor leagues. And then they, they you know, basically handed him a spot in the rotation uh, two years ago coming out of spring training. And he just he got just bombed, lit up, and his whole season was bad. His velocity was way down. He got sent back down to the minors. He couldn't figure it out down there, and he was a mess, and it looked like he was just going to kind of fall by the wayside. And then last year, he goes out, gets his his stuff back in order, his his his, uh, his velocity's back up a little bit, and he's the International League Pitcher of the Year. He starts the AAA All-Star game for, uh, for the International League. He has a great season. He comes up at the end of last year with the White Sox and has some nice uh, – some some decent starts, and then looks like he's going to be in the rotation this year through most of the offseason until they go out and make the signing of Matt Latos. And then he comes out in spring training, and it's just like he's just getting bombed all over the place. He's walking guys. He's giving up homers. His velocity is back down again. So I don't know if this is a guy that doesn't, you know, when he thinks that he's got that spot handed to him, that he kind of, you know, maybe doesn't work as hard in the offseason or something. I don't know what it is, but this is the last – 
two times he's had an opportunity and it looks like he was going to be, you know, with the big league club and he just completely falls apart uh, when given that opportunity. So I'm not sure what to make of it. And hopefully he goes down and, and pitches well in triple a because, you know, they, they, they might need, you know, some, some depth at the, at the back end of that rotation if Latos and Danks can't get the job done. And um, I know you talked about, you know, the White Sox rotation being a strength. Is this the year that Chris Sale finally wins the Cy Young? I, I think he's got a great shot to do it. You know, he he should win some more games this year with this lineup and, and with this bullpen, you know, a little bit stronger. Um and, and so the, the win totals might help him a little bit, especially with the voters who, you know, that still seems to resonate with, um, you know, and, and, and the strikeout numbers are going to be there. And I really think he's got a chance. And as long as the White Sox, you know, aren't you know, a bottom feeding team, I think he's got a great shot to win it this year. He'd be my pick to win uh, the Cy Young uh, before the season starts this year. And, uh, you know, as long as he can stay healthy, I, I think he's he's got to be the favorite. You know, as far as that goes, uh, obviously, you know, we've we've touched on this a bit with the White Sox. Um, you know, I think we're all kind of in agreement with the fact that that the run scoring is still um, still the question mark if the team's able to score runs, knowing that you you face some some pretty some pretty stout pitching uh, with obviously the Tigers and the the Indians both having solid rotations. Um, I mean, I've always looked at a guy like Avisel Garcia. Um, you know, the Cubs unloaded, or excuse me, the White Sox unloaded Jake Peavy. Um, that was a big piece that came back, and and he's obviously, uh, you, you know, for me, he had he had the horrible injury, um, and it's just not really seemed to kind of click on all cylinders. A guy that doesn't get on base a lot um, seemed to be someone that everyone felt like was going to be had the chops to be an elite hitter. I mean, do you look at a guy like him and and Jose Abreu, who I don't think had a bad year last year, and everyone seems to kind of downplay you know, how well he played, you know, still hitting 30 home runs and almost 300. Um, I mean, do you think those guys really need to step up um, as far as being big run producers for this team to to really push towards 500 and maybe a wild card spot? Yeah, you know, with, with Abreu, you know, he's now had two pretty good seasons. I mean, his, his rookie year was was incredible, and, and I don't think anyone – it was better than anybody really expected. Uh, last year, you know – like you said, I, it was still a pretty solid year. I mean, he had a very good year. And so I think you can kind of expect that he's going to, you know, be one of the better run producers in in the American League. And, and he's got to be the best run producer in the White Sox lineup. Um, as far as Avisel Garcia, you know, he's going to get a chance now um, to, to get more at-bats than maybe a lot of people thought he might as the offseason was going. It looked like they were trying to replace him with, you know, Cespedes or Upton or Gordon or someone. Um, and then, you know, it looked like he was going to, you know, maybe get be reduced to a part-time role, which he probably still will be a somewhat of a part-time role. But, uh, you know, he's going to get a chance to to, to show his, his stuff this year. And he, he changed his batting stance a little bit. He's got his hands in a different spot to try and get it, the bat out quicker. Um, and get through on pitches so that he's not behind, uh, especially on fastballs and things. To, so, you know, he can hopefully pull some more pitches and develop some more power that way. He had a very good spring training, yeah, really good. You know, I think he hit five home runs. He, he hit over 300, and, and he was ripping the ball pretty well. So he's got to carry that over and, and keep it going. You know, I, I still think he's he's a very young hitter, but he's, he's now had enough at-bats at the major league level where – you kind of have to. You're you're kind of at that point where he's got to either you know put up or shut up at this point. You know, it, it, it's either going to click for him now or it probably never will. So, 
if for the White Sox, if if he becomes you know a, a solid contributor and and a and a run producer, especially in the like you know the bottom middle third of the order there, uh, that could be huge for them and and not something that they uh, necessarily expected um, coming in uh, in the off season. Obviously, with a, you know a lot of people calling to have him replaced. Um, and then, so if the White Sox, you know, are kind of hanging around and kind of in it at the end, do you see, or in, you know, sorry, at the uh, trade deadline, do you see any trades maybe going down or see anyone they can target? Yeah, you know, even up until recently, there was talk that the White Sox were still involved in some trade talks or, or they were targeting certain players. The, the big gap right now looks like they need a left-handed bat with some power. They don't have any real left-handed power on the team. They only have a couple true lefties uh, on the roster at all um, and, and a few switch hitters, but none of those guys are, are big, you know, power guys. And you're in a, in a division in the American League with pretty much entire right-handed staffs across the board. The White Sox have all the lefties in the starting rotation and nobody else has any right now. So you, you got to have some sort of left-handed power in the lineup and uh, and that's the first spot that I think would make a lot of sense. You look at guys, you know, the names have been thrown out, you know, Jay Bruce, Carlos Gonzalez, um, left-handed bats, big power, guys who are on teams that are not expected to contend and are getting towards the end of their contracts. Um, I, th- I think either of those guys would be a potential target for the White Sox if they're in it, uh, you know, a- a- as we move through the season and get closer to the trade deadline in July. And, and would provide, you know, not just left-handed power, but just, you know, some more power and run production in that lineup um, that might need that. So those two guys, I think, would be a, a good bet as, uh, as, you know, kind of names to throw out at the beginning of the year. And depending on how things go with the, with the pitching staff, you might be looking at trying to add, a, add another pitcher, you know, maybe just a veteran guy that can go out there every five days and keep you in games that, you know, you're not going to trade for a Cy Young candidate probably, but you got a chance to maybe go out and get, you know, someone to fill in at the back end of that rotation and give a little more consistency if Latos and Danks um, are struggling. I guess, I guess one of my questions is where are the White Sox going to get some trade assets or what would you consider to be the White Sox top trade assets in terms of trading away somebody for a slugger like Jay Bruce or a pitcher, some somebody along those lines. Yeah. You know, they, they, they don't have a lot left in the bank. Uh, you know, they gave up a lot of their, uh, you know, decent chips, um, in the Frazier deal, you know, with Montas and, uh, and Trace Thompson, um, and, uh, and Micah Johnson going as part of that deal. So, you know, you don't have as much there as you did at the beginning of the off season, you know, Carson Fulmer, I would guess, would be pretty much untouchable unless you're getting, you know, a, an incredible talent back on the other end. Um, so you're looking at, you know, trying to put something together with some of the, you know, kind of next tier guys, um, you know, someone like a, a Spencer Adams, um, I think could be a very, uh, you know, nice piece to throw in and, and with a couple of other pieces to work something out. But yeah, there's not a whole lot there outside of Anderson and uh, and and Fulmer, and I don't think either of those guys are going anywhere. So you'd have to kind of 
build a package, see what teams want specifically. You know, uh, you might have to move someone out of your, you know, maybe one of your bullpen guys off the major league roster, you know, a guy like Patrichka or something like that. Um, but if those teams are looking to just kind of get rid of, uh, you know, get rid of some of the money, then maybe the biggest thing you're going to have to take on if you're the White Sox is going to be financial. And that extra $13 million that Adam LaRoche left on his way out could help them in that regard. So I guess, I guess with that too, well, go ahead, Fish. No, you're good. I was, I was just going to, I was just going to say, you know, it's really hard for the for people to do this because the White Sox have been kind of all over the map in terms of what experts predict. I've heard anywhere from I believe ninety five wins down in the seventies in terms of wins. But what's maybe one bold prediction you could probably you could give us in terms of, of in terms of what you see the White Sox happening this year? Something that's a little bit outside the box for a prediction. Something that's bold. A bold outside the box prediction, huh? Well. Uh... That's tough because <laughs> like you said, they are so hard to peg right now. So many different people have, you know, different opinions on how they're going to do. Um, does, does Drake, La- does Drake LaRoche suit up for the, for a game after the all-star break <laughs> trade deadline or, <laughs> well, you know, if they, if they're really struggling or they need a, uh, a boost or something, maybe they, they need his leadership back in the clubhouse. Maybe they go and, and make a call and, and, and get him back for, uh, suit him up and, and throw him out there for warmups or something. Um, you know, I, I actually think one of my, my big predictions would be that, that this team is hanging around in it. And as we come in towards the middle of the summer and after the all-star break and, and then they end up pulling the trigger on a a deal that you wouldn't maybe expect them to, they go out and get one of these guys or, or maybe even someone, you know, that we haven't mentioned or talked about and try and make a run at it. Because I, I really do think this, this organization wants to try and, and get themselves back into the playoffs or at least be playing meaningful baseball down the stretch. And with the, the second wild card now, I mean, really everybody is going to be in it, but the American league is not, you know, there's no really super strong teams in the American league this year. Everybody's just kind of in that same boat. You got some teams that have, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of pluses, but they also got their fair share of minuses. And there's nobody that you look at and you say, you know, these guys are going to run away from everybody, especially in the American League Central. So I, I think the White Sox hang around and pull the trigger on a big deal and then try and go for it down the stretch. Well, with that, I, one one thing that kind of intrigues me is is that the, the sea change in Major League Baseball seems to be uh, you know, the example of what the Braves and Cardinals have done so long with the next man up mentality. Um, obviously, the White Sox have spent money in the past. You know, they gave a lot of money to Jose Abreu um, and are, I would assume, lining themselves up to give uh, Chris Sale an absolutely monstrous extension at some point, um, even though I know he's signed to somewhat team-friendly right now. But how do you feel like that may affect the White Sox in terms of, you know, we've touched on the fact that their farm system obviously is one of the weaker in baseball um, due to the fact that they've they've kind of went to the well several times with the Samarja deal uh, with getting Todd Frazier and Brett Laurie. Um, and, you know, you've still got some intriguing names left with Tim Anderson, Carson Fulmer, uh, Spencer Adams. I mean, maybe not guys that are going to be ready immediately, 
Um, but knowing that a lot of teams have, you know, we could use the Cubs as an example, like with what they did last year uh, with adding Addison Russell, Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber uh, during the season to really supplement that offense. I mean, is that something that the White Sox are going to really have to kind of avoid since uh, it doesn't, to me at least, look like there's those kind of guys that can come in and truly be impact players? Do you really feel like, you know, that's not going to be an option for them and they truly do have to to go after a trade if they want to um, make an improvement during the season? Yeah, I think that's probably what you're looking at. I mean, I, I think, and I mentioned it in, in, in one of the, the pieces I wrote about the the back end of the rotation. I do think that Carson Fulmer could be a guy that comes up and provides uh, something for the big league club this year, either, you know, as a starter or potentially coming up and, and helping out in the bullpen and really, you know, making that bullpen even more formidable um, later on in the season. Um, you know, Don Cooper, Sox pitching coach, mentioned that, you know, Fulmer is kind of ahead of where Rodon was at this point last year. Um, so, I, and and I don't know if that necessarily means he's going to come up and be better than Carlos Rodon. I don't think that, you know, should fans should not expect that. But I think he could definitely be the one guy that could kind of next man up, come up and help the team out. I, I think Tim Anderson needs a full season at triple a, and I really don't want them to rush him up. And when, before he's ready, because that's something they've had the tendency to do. And it doesn't necessarily work out that well um, with the position players, but you know, beyond that, everyone else who's down there, especially from a position player standpoint, you know, that that's on those top, you know, 20 prospect lists for the team or whatever are guys that are a little bit away you know, going into single A this year, they're or they're you know first year in high A, or they're they're going to Birmingham at double A to start the year. So I, I don't think there's going to be um, at least this year big contributions from from guys coming up um, from the minor leagues, other than potentially uh, Carson Fulmer. And really, uh, they, they they do need to build the continue to try and build the farm system better. Now, if they're going to just use the farm system as a way to trade, you know, and acquire different pieces and, and as trade chips and not necessarily cultivate guys themselves, then, you know, you still need to have those chips to trade. And, uh, and so, but they got a lot of money to spend in the draft this year. They're, they, I think they have the fourth or fifth most money to spend um, in the draft this year. So hopefully that will allow them to, um, you know, maybe overpay some guys at certain slots and and target some some guys they maybe wouldn't necessarily have targeted uh, in the past. And they've got, I think, three picks in the first 50 this year. So, you know, this might be a good year for them to uh, to through the draft, add some nice talent into their minor league system that in a year or two could potentially be a lot you know better and, and higher ranked in 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 terms of uh, in terms of prospect talent. Okay, before uh, before we let you go, Matt, um, quick kind of crazy question: bigger clubhouse slash locker room annoyance, Drake Roche or Drake LaRoche or D'Angelo Russell? <laughs> uh, I mean, I gotta think D'Angelo Russell is is gotta be, you know, it, it, those guys all hate him now, right? So I mean, that's you, uh, you can't do that. I mean, Drake LaRoche might have been like, you know, at least some of the guys apparently liked him or didn't mind having him around, but. But man, that D'Angelo Russell thing—I mean, it, you, you lost all your credibility with the guys after that. Yeah, I mean, well, 
I know who Adam Eaton's going to say. Adam Eaton's going to say D'Angelo Russell because <laughs> Adam Eaton considers Drake LaRoche a leader in the clubhouse, which was – that was like one of the most bizarre statements. That whole thing was abs- – the whole LaRoche saga was absolutely bizarre, and it seemed like when it couldn't get weirder, then like Eaton comes out and says that, and you're like, what? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, for me, I, I'm a Cubs fan, but I mean I don't really – I don't hate the White Sox, but it's just like that was the biggest story in the offseason, and it was a negative story. And it was just kind of like – yeah, it was it was bad. Um, this – I've got to ask this because we – I mean we talked for about 30 minutes on a podcast about this. And we know, you know, I personally feel like Kenny Williams has, has basically rode rode the coattails of a ten year old World Series to keep his job. And we know Reinsdorf kind of keeps his boys in house. I mean, all you have to do is look at the Bulls as an example of that. But do you think that this, you know, speaking of trade, you know, trade terms later, you know, as the season progresses and going into the off season with the White Sox looking into free agency, I mean, do you feel like this is going to have a negative impact? with with the way that they're able to you know court free agents and and the fact that guys like Chris Sale and Adam Eaton were so vehemently on the defense for Adam LaRoche and his son I mean do you think that that kind of that kind of shows maybe a disconnect between management and, and and the clubhouse with the fact that you got two well I mean how many times did Kenny Anderson changes his beat on what happened four or five times like do you think that that's going to really have a negative impact uh when guys potentially look to sign there um in you know the 2016 offseason yeah you know i i the the kenny williams aspect of it was the one aspect that i really you know looked at and said you know this is not he did not handle it well at all and i i think i understand what he was trying to do which is he was trying to make himself the bad guy but in, in order to do that you needed to take, you know, take it all on from the get go. And, and instead you heard that he told, you know, a different story to, you know, the, to the players, to the, to the managers, to the coaches, to, to the guys in the front office, you know? So if, if, if that's true and he was telling different stories to different groups, he needed to just come out and say, I made this decision. This is mine. All me. I wanted to change things. I didn't think it was appropriate. You know, if you're if you're going to be mad at someone, be mad at me. And and then that would have just been the end of it. And, you know, maybe the players would have had a problem with it. Some of them, you know, obviously did. But, you know, you wouldn't have had the blow up that you had, I think, in the clubhouse, because, you know, the thing that sales seemed to be the most upset about was that, you know, they didn't feel they were being uh told the truth or that they were being lied to or that Williams wasn't being honest with them about how the situation went down. So, you know, I I think it'll ultimately be a thing that kind of goes away, but it it was a bad look for the organization. And if it's something where Kenny Williams has lost the credibility or the ability to, um, or has become a detriment, I guess, to, like you said, signing guys, courting free agents, any of that stuff, then yeah, you, you have to move on. So I, I, you know, I don't think it's going, I think it's going to be something that, you know, in, in June and July, like we've completely forgotten about it. And it'll just be like, Oh, Hey, remember that, remember that thing with, with Adam LaRoche and his kid, that was weird, wasn't it? <laughs> and we'll just move on from there. But, you know, if, if players might talk and you might not be able, there might be a certain group of players that don't, 
you know, that are going to have a permanent negative opinion of the organization after that. And if that's the case, then, you know, you might have to look at, at, you know, moving on from Kenny Williams as, you know, you know, president of baseball operations or whatever his official title is. All right. um, Well, to wrap up, Matt, uh, how many games the White Sox win this year? Uh, Well, I'm going to go ahead and say that they are going to be an even Steven 81 and 81. Ooh, 500? That kind of seems like it's the way they're moving. A little bit of improvement here, a little bit of improvement there. I don't think they made enough. I think they needed that one more big move in the offseason to get them into that, you know, 85 to 88 win range, which I think it'll take to get to the playoffs. Awesome. All right. Well, um, thank you for joining us once again. Um, this is Matt yeah, Hefner. Thanks a lot, man. Um, he, writes yeah, no for, problem, uh, he writes for um, ShiCitySports.com, the White Sox. Uh, where can people follow you on Twitter? My Twitter handle is just my name, at Matt Hepner, M-A-T-T-H-O-E-P-P-N-E-R. And, uh, yeah, I'll, if you can handle a little bit of Michigan State in with your White Sox stuff and your other and your other uh, Chicago sports stuff, I'll hit on all that. And, uh, and yeah, I'd love to, love to pick up some more followers. I'm, like, 20 away from 1,000, so bring it on, guys. All right. Get them, guys. 20, we need 20 people to follow them. 20 uh, people can follow. Come on. I know. It's not that much. <laughs> Um, all right. I mean, we'd love to have you back on, uh, maybe check in in a couple of weeks or something, see how the season's going. Yep. Anytime guys. Awesome. Thank awesome. you again. Take care, man. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. That was some uh, good stuff by our, uh, Shy city sports white Sox writer there, Matt uh, Hepner. What'd you guys think? Wicked. Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it's just really, it's just really nice to Hear all the good things that are going on with the White Sox. We spent way too much time talking about Drake LaRoche a few shows ago. But now it's nice to actually see some real baseball and some real play on the field. Um, so, you know, I kind of stay on the White Sox topic. Today, uh, they had, like, their annual unveiling of their new foods. And um, I don't know if you guys have been to a White Sox game. I've, I've been to one each of the last three years. They actually have some pretty good food options um, at U.S. Cellular Field. The uh, club at the top is a little pricey, but like their food in the concourse, great hot dogs, great brats, bacon on a stick. And then this year they uh, unveiled some new ones. So they had an event today and, um, you know, they unveiled their new food options. I'm going to read some of these off and you guys tell me, I'll kind of give them a little description of it. You guys tell me if you would eat this or not. All right. The first one is a tater tacho helmet. It's tater tots, cheese, and jalapeno peppers, and you can get them in like those, you know, little helmets that um, the uh, what the ice cream comes in. It's a little White Sox helmet. Would you guys eat that? Oh, absolutely! I'm a fan of jalapenos. I'm all in. I would too. I'd, I'd eat all the potatoes. So I, I had something similar to, um, to this uh, Monday night when I was watching the national championship at Gamekeepers in Chicago, and it was like tater tots and jalapenos and sour cream. And all that, and it was delicious. I will definitely go out to White Sox game and definitely try this. Um, next one, this one's kind of my favorite one, is the uh, Merck's cheesy beef sandwich. It's eight seventy five, and um, it's a, it's a sandwich. It's a beef Italian beef sandwich, pretty much, and it's got um, Merck's cheese spread on it. I probably still eat it. I mean, I like beef. I like cheese. I don't see why I wouldn't eat it. I literally will, if you put something in front of me, I'm going to eat it, especially if it's Italian beef, so I'm all in. I mean, it looks, I'm pretty sure it's Italian beef here. 
I mean, um, is it edible? Does it look edible? It's a, it, it's very edible. It looks very well, edible. I mean, that's that's like eighty five percent of it. Um. Okay. This oh, man. This one is a uh, Arugula Caprice salad. Um. It looks like a salad with two with a. I cut a lemon in half, put one half on each side, and it's just a bunch of greens, and it looks like some egg on it. Um, I don't go to a ball, I don't go to a ballpark to eat salads. I'll pass. That's bird food. Wow! Uh, look at fi- I, look I, at I, fish. Come on, fish. I mean, I like arugula caprese salads. I mean, they're pretty good. Again, I mean, I agree with fish that I don't really want to eat a salad at a baseball game. That's, but I mean. If someone went to get me a beer and brought back an arugula caprese salad, I'm probably still going to eat it. I love salads, but I mean, again, if you're putting like a helmet full of tater tots in front of me and a salad at a baseball game, I'm probably going to eat the helmet full of tater tots. It's just, it's going to happen. Um, I, I like salads, but yeah, I like fish salad. I'm going to the game to eat a hot dog, tater tots, bacon. Speaking of uh, bacon cheddar pretzel dog. That's all you really have to say. I'm eating that. That's yeah. Fish. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what was it? Bacon cheddar cheese. Bacon cheddar pretzel dog. So the so I'm assuming I'm, I'm in. The bun is a pretzel bun, right? Um, it is. Let's see. There's an image of it on here. Um, yes. It is. The yeah, bun I, is a pretzel. It's a pretzel bun, and it's got bacon on top of it. It's got cheese sauce like not nacho oh. cheese sauce yeah dude i mean that's that sounds like a 10 out of 10 that um, you know that's the pretzel bun is like the most underrated oh dude piece of bread to go on like a burger a sandwich a dog i mean that's 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 crucial eating pretzel you know, buns to, are the best dude yeah uh, going to the grocery store and getting those nice organic pretzel buns and then fucking throwing like nine pieces of meat on it what you got to do if you go to a burger place or a bar and you get a burger and there's an option for a pretzel bun on that menu and you don't get the pretzel bun you are you're crazy you're fired yeah you're fired it, you're, you might as well not even you might as well not even order anything because pretzel buns are where it's at um all right last kind of major food one barbecue chicken pizza from beggars Depends yes. on what's, what's on the pizza Thin crust with sweet barbecue sauce, diced chicken, and mozzarella. Yeah, why not? I, I love that. Yeah, it's kind of plain. I mean, I'm still going to eat it, but, you know, I like a little bit more on a barbecue chip. Like, throw some peppers and stuff on there, add some more, but, you know, I'd still... It depends. Pizza at ball games is, is like, the worst value. It's just, like, hot dogs. Yes. You know, no, I no, love no. a nice hot dogs beef. Are, hot dogs are not a bad value. I mean, if you're spending six bucks on a hot dog, and it doesn't have, and it's like the crappy wrapped up bun, where it might as well be a slice of bread. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'm, a little, I'm a little salty over that. Anything, but, anything you order at a ball game is really not of value. Yeah, but I mean, you got to look at it from the perspective of like how much food am I getting? Like, if you're getting a plate of nachos for six bucks and a hot dog for six bucks, I, I mean. Again, me not living in Chicago and me going to Wrigley maybe three times a year, I'm going to go all out and I'm getting, you know, I'm getting like three hot dogs. I don't care. But I, I don't know. Like, it, it's for me, it's all about 
the experience. Six bucks for a hot dog is still lunacy. I, I agree on the pizza. I don't. I don't like eating pizza at a ballpark anyway. I don't think you get one slice and it's like seven dollars. No, I'm good. They also have a giardinera pizza, thin crust, Italian beef, and giardinera on it. Yeah, uh, that one doesn't look too bad. All right, final one. Fish is gonna be all in on this one. They are um, creamsicle and root beer floats, and the kick is available with or without alcohol in them. Oh yeah. So oh, they, yeah. these are giant like glasses, and it's a float. It's a root beer float, but there's a popsicle in the top on the top of it sticking into it. So you either get a creamsicle or you get a root beer popsicle. I am all oh. in on this. Give me this. Give me two of them, actually. One with alcohol, one without alcohol, so I can balance out the taste. Yeah, give me both of them. I, I think it'd be, I think it'd be great. I mean, it, two it just shows what good things the White Sox are doing to try and get people to come to the ballpark and try and come and enjoy the team. And I know they have great ticket deals as well. So hopefully, people come out and take advantage of it this year and hopefully see some good baseball on the South Side. I'm a little disappointed in their promotions this year. I uh, I want the Chris Sale bobblehead, the K counter one, where you can control how many strikeouts. Click the thing. Um, but other than that, they have a Star Wars bobblehead of Southpaw. Damn, good. Um, okay, did you guys see this new video board they have? Eight thousand square foot video board in center field. Yes. Yes, yes, I did. Just again, nice to see the White Sox invest in something in the stadium to try and separate themselves. I wish they'd bring the full the full-out pinwheels back into commission, but I doubt that'll ever happen. Bring back some of that old Comiskey Park flavor, but again, keeping up with the times and helping the fans is really really a good move for the White Sox because really they continue to need, they needed to continue to be building their support even if the team isn't necessarily the best on the field. I mean, well, that, but I mean, the way that they're moving to just these modern conveniences and ballparks where everyone wants Wi-Fi, everyone wants the big video board. And, and But rightfully so. With how expensive sporting events are, you know, it's – you have to think of it this way. And there is nothing – you know, I know we're talking about the White Sox, but, but all three of us know there's nothing that compares to going to Wrigley Field. Well, I can, I've can. i got a 65-inch TV in my house. I've got a nice surround sound system. But – I'm willing to drop 500 bucks to spend a day at Wrigley with my dad. I don't care. because It's worth it to me. Again, I only go three or four times a year. And it's the same for White Sox fans. If you're going to go to U.S. Cellular, spend the money and have fun. And if you have those amenities, I'm not saying get a video board like the freaking Cowboys have. But having that there is nice for the fans. And the fact that you're making them more comfortable, make it worth that $60, $70 ticket. If you're going to drop that kind of money on a three-hour baseball game or a three-hour football game, it, you know, if we're talking about Soldier Field or whatever. I mean, it's that's the thing. I can sit at home in my couch or on my couch, order a pizza, buy a six-pack, and spend 30 bucks and not have to worry about some idiot yelling and screaming. So you've got to think of it that way and balance it, especially if you're a Chicago resident. I mean, that makes it a lot more enticing for a fan to go to the game. Yeah, I like the video board. I think it's cool. Um Looking at a photo of it, it's it's huge and it's right in center field. Um, they do have the pinwheels though at the top. Fish, they have the pinwheels on the top of the video board. 
Do they really? Yeah, I haven't see. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I heard about it. Yeah, then 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 they used to be more widespread though, and like actually work. And... Yeah, these are yeah, these are like replica ones. Um, all right, let's uh, let's wrap up this uh, preview show. Let me get your guys' predictions on the White Sox this season. Give me um, their season record, or if they'll make the playoffs or not, and a little bit of a bold prediction. I guess I'll start. I'll say the. They'll win probably 86 games. They'll make the second wild card spot. My bold prediction will be that Jimmy Rollins, you know, hits a, you know, gets on base at least. I don't know how it's hard to say. I'll I'll say 3:30. Jimmy Rollins is on base percentage at 3:30. I think he was a really nice addition as well. I don't think we covered a lot with him in the interview, but again, a veteran leader, a guy that you know doesn't have to play all the games to make a difference but certainly a guy that i think helps and i think if the white Sox are going to make a run at the wild card spot or even the division they're going to need his him to perform at a very high level um i think the white Sox are going to take steps in the the right direction um i think they're going to end up with about 78 wins uh i think they're going to keep it interesting all season long i don't think it's going to be a situation where they kind of teeter off uh, early and, and just hang around. I mean, I really think they're going to be in it till August. Um, you know, my bold prediction is that, uh, they're, they're really going to get some, some positive contributions from their new guys. Um, you know, Todd Frazier and Brett Laurie. And I honestly, I think, uh, Frazier and Abreu are both going to hit over 30 home runs. I think they're both going to be closer to 35 for the White Sox. So they're going to have some pop in uh, the cell this year. Um, yeah, I don't think they're ready to make the playoffs yet. I could see them sneaking into that second wild card spot. Uh, I'm gonna say they're gonna finish, oh, man, a game over 500. Um, I my bold prediction. I think Matt Latos will be better than what people expect and what he has been the last couple of years. Um, but yeah, they're not ready to make the next giant step. Maybe another offseason signing, some prospects up. But yeah, I'll give them a. They'll be over 500, though. All right, that uh, that wraps things up for this episode of the Chicago Sports Power Hour. Um, as always, you can follow uh, Shy City Sports on Twitter at, at City Sports 23 um, You can follow me on Twitter at Z-A-C-K underscore Pearson. Um, you guys want to drop your Twitter handles? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at N-W-F-I-S-C-H. And you can follow your man Jose on Twitter at name in all caps. And uh, once again, we'd like to thank our guest, uh, Matt Hepner, the White Sox writer for ShawCitySports.com. Uh, like to have him back on and uh, talk some more White Sox baseball. But um, for now, that's it. Talk to you guys later. Peace. Peace.